Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. You're listening to the Free Retiree Show. Your financial career and legal friends are all back together. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm with my main man, career advisor, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? And we've had some episodes where Silicon Valley's favorite attorney has been missing in action. The people have been asking about him. So Sergio Patterson and I scoured the streets of San Jose. We found Matt McElroy eating out of dumpsters in a mesh tube top, dancing around with glow sticks. And we dragged him back to the Free Retiree Show. He is back, ladies and gentlemen. Matthew, how are you doing today? That was pretty descriptive. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have you back. Great to have you back, man. I'm glad to be back. I'm excited for this episode. This is a cool topic. Yeah, this is great. We got the crew back together. So how the courts been, Matt? You know, I wouldn't know because I haven't seen the inside of a courtroom for about a year. <laughs> I only appear by telephone now, so it's, uh, it's actually pretty chill. Yeah, the courts are kind of dead lately. A lot of them have shut down to the public. They're not letting anybody inside, basically. So if you want to show up in court, it's either through Zoom or a telephone. That's about it. Nice, nice, nice. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about stock picking and day trading. Right now, we are going through a craze. Over the last few weeks, there's a lot of stuff in the news about GameStop and AMC and everyone's on Reddit. Crazy, crazy time that we're going through. But just over the course of the last year, I've been seeing a lot of people really interested in getting on apps like Robinhood, E-Trade, and we're all trying to be stock pickers. And quite frankly, I'm seeing a lot of people making a lot of big mistakes right now as investors. As you guys know, when we started the show, one of our major pillars was helping people avoid the big mistakes. So I think for today's episode, this is going to be a really great one because right now, when you go on the news, you go on social media, you're reading newspapers, it seems like everyone is giving like a stock or investment recommendation. Matt, Serge, what are you guys seeing right now? Are you guys feeling this craze? Yeah. I mean, I'm in the craze, dude. I've got 25 AMC shares, to be honest with you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I've got two GameStop shares. No, I mean, oh. I, I just, I didn't put a lot of money. I think for me, I played a lot of poker growing up, so I only put in the money I'm okay with losing. There's people though that are putting in their life savings. It's just yes. stupid, man. That's what I'm saying. I'm just putting in money that I don't care if I lose. That's all yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. Matt, what, what are you seeing? I think it's a dangerous time right now. I mean, I think all this crazy activity is like a foreshadowing of some crazy stuff to come because I don't think they're just done with GameStop. I think that there's going to be more similar type of things happen with other kinds of single stocks. They made some of these hedge funds kind of wet their pants a little bit, though. Yeah. So they yeah. Oh, yeah. They needed it. bailouts. They needed yeah. help from other people. They destroyed them in some ways. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. awesome. So there's a lot going on right now, obviously, right? GameStop's in the news and Reddit. But part of the show is we want to give people information based off data. There's a lot of opinions right now. So part of the reason that there's so much chaos is whichever answer you're looking for, if you're considering buying an investment, you can find it. It's on the internet. 
whatever opinion you want to find to buy a certain investment, to buy it, to sell it, it's out there. So how do you know what the truth is? The only way you can do that is you have to look at the science. So for today's episode, we're going to get back to what data tells us, what science tells us. We're going to really take a deep look at day trading and stock picking. It's unbelievable. I have probably got a dozen messages in the last week about people asking about, should they buy GameStop? And I'm going to tell you, stop right there. Don't do it. In this episode, we're going to give you the reasons of why you should not jump on this train, but we're also going to give you the data about day trading and stock picking. Everyone's trying to do it. What are the true results? What does the history tell us of people that have tried to make money this way? But before we get into all that, let's address GameStop. That's something that's all over the news right now. What is your guys' opinion on GameStop right now? I know multiple people who have made over a million dollars off of this. I mean, they're probably the outliers, but there's literally people I know who have been investing in them since last year and their accounts, hopefully they sold, but like what happened is insane. But I wouldn't like bet your life savings on it. I think it's amazing though that it's happened. <laughs> yeah. Matt, your opinion on this? I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of like the people are doing back to Wall Street what Wall Street does to the little people. <laughs> so it's kind of like a fight back in a way. You know, what? I think kind of the coolest thing about it is it shows that there's a huge flaw in the whole system and they just exploited it. And I think it's kind of interesting to see where it's going to go next. What's the next big move that this Wall Street bets is going to make? And I think a lot of people are looking at that like, oh, I want to get into that early. Hopefully it's AMC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 25 shares, right? <laughs> 25 shares. But hey, movie theaters are going to come back. Movie theaters are coming back. <laughs> yeah, I think it might, but I think it's going to be slow, right? I think everywhere right now is the kind of loosening up restrictions and things are being lifted and we're going to see things gradually return to somewhat normalcy, but I think we're a long ways away. I think it's going to be a while just because this has been a whole culture shock with this pandemic. Yeah. I will say, Lee, like your advice to me a while ago was those diversified DFTs and the ones with multiple options, all those just stay green. The ones where I just randomly pick, those are the ones that go up and down and go red. So for the listeners, like I'm bored with what you're saying, Lee. 100%. Yeah, and here's the thing. It's like all three of us, we do have single stock positions, but we understand. I think all of us understand it's fun money. We're not expecting anything great out of a lot of these single stock, and we know it's a gamble. But there's a different way to do this. So I want to get that out there. Like if you are stock picking, day trading, listen to this episode because I'm going to give you things you really need to consider. I want to give you good advice. And if you stay tuned to the show, I promise you, you're going to get some great value because you need to understand the data behind day trading and stock picking. But let's go back to GameStop. To start off, I think a lot of people are asking like what's happening in terms of what happened with Wall Street, what happened with these people on Reddit. Do you guys have much of an understanding of what's happening between Wall Street and these people that are on Reddit? Yeah, you should explain that one. This is your niche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, I think everyone knows that they're against each other, but I'll get a little bit more granular about it. Basically, in the investment world, you can go long a stock or you can go short a stock. Most people are familiar with going long. You buy the stock, you hope it appreciates in price, and that's how you make your money. Going short on the stock is basically you're betting that the value will go down. And that's how you're going to make money. I'll give an example. Like Sergio, you like KFC or Popeye chicken sandwiches. You're like a really big fan of those. That's your favorite food. I know it is. And so let's just say Sergio, Sergio's shaking his head right now, but it's true. He, he, he loves it. He loves it. Hey, who doesn't like fried chicken? It is right. It's right. I, I like me some fried chicken too. But going back to what we're talking about. So let's just say Sergio is going to borrow money to get $5 chicken sandwiches. He basically borrows the money. Right away, he's going to get $5. 
He's hoping that the value of these chicken sandwiches go down maybe in half. So they go down to $2.50. He ends up being able to buy another one later at $2.50 and sells it back to the person he borrows at, thus making a profit of $2.50. Does that make sense? Yeah, this sounds like a scam though. Um, no, not a scam. Just it's the way the investment arena works. It's very common practice. Just Wall Street. Got it. Just Wall Street. Just like a group of guys, they get together and they do this to make money, right? That, that's kind yeah. of how it works. But that's the best way I can describe it, right? You're basically betting on it's going down. You'll buy it another time. You get it for a lower price and you make money that way. But here's the thing. The riskiest position they say in the investment arena is taking a short on a company. Because here's the thing. When you're going long and you're buying the stock for value, there's a floor, which is called zero. So your dollars can go to zero. When you're going short, there's no limit on how high a stock can go. So that's why it's known as the riskiest position because it can literally go to the moon and you're going to end up owing a lot of money. So it is a yeah, really- You'll go to bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, it's a risk. it is a super risky position to do. And so to circle back into what's happening, you have these Wall Street firms that were taking the short position, all these people on Reddit taking the long position, just basically they took it to the hedge funds for a while. But as of the recording of the show, everything is changing and GameStop's been in the news for a couple of weeks now. And Sergio, you and I talked when this first happened. What did I tell you about the ending of the story? You said it was not going to end well for many, many people. Exactly. And, uh, I think we're, we're almost there. We're starting to see that. Common sense advice. Instead of you believing you're an investor by picking GameStop or picking these companies that you really don't believe in and you're just trying to play the market, you're playing a dangerous game. That's not what investing is about. That's my personal opinion. If you want to do it this way, go to your local casino, go to your online sports betting, because those ways are just way funner and you probably have better odds. I mean, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Right now, the people that are making money are like, yeah, look, I'm a genius. And here's a newsflash. There's a big newsflash. If you know someone that made money on this whole GameStop thing, they are not a genius. They are a lucky idiot because right now the research that's coming out 97% of the activity that they're seeing on Reddit is from bots. So a lot of these bots are pushing GameStop and pushing things like silver right now. Just understand these people are lucky that made the money. Yes, they jumped on this hype train with some people, but a lot of it looks like it could be from bots. And just overall, the reason for buying it is wrong. So these people are not geniuses. They are lucky right now. And they're probably going to get hurt if they hold these positions for the long haul. That's my personal opinion on it. Can I push back a little bit? Go for it. There's this one guy on Reddit. It's like deep value or whatever. I would argue that he's pretty smart because he's the first one that recognized all the hedge funds had those short positions mm -hmm. and literally exploited it because they would, it was like 125% shorted or something like way over extended. So wouldn't you argue that these people who invested a year ago, seeing that it was so shorted, wouldn't you argue that they are pretty smart to do that? I think that they are somewhat intelligent to spot that. But overall, that's not why you buy a company. This is just gambling. When you buy a company, you believe in the value of the company appreciating and being able to generate a profit and grow as a company. That's why you invest. Like I don't believe in day trading. I think day trading is just a fool's game. And as we go into this episode, I'll give you guys the true stats of the people that are successful in day trading, even stock picking. Stock picking, I think is very risky as well. And there's a lot of data to back that up. I think that they were smart to see that trend, but ultimately if the reports are true, that 97% of the posts are from bots, there's a false sense of your accomplishment right now. That looks like it very well might be part of the reason why GameStop spiked up, why silver spiked up. And, you know, warning for people that are jumping to metals, 
as we've said before on the show, they're not a really good investment. Historically, they haven't done that well. And people go to them for safety. Right now, if you're going into them, they could give you a sense of false safety because they've been propped up by potentially bots. So be very cautious right now when going into metals as well. We'll have to see how this unfolds, but a lot of craziness going on. So hopefully this gave you guys some insight into what's going on. We're gonna go to a quick break, but when we're back, when we talk about what you need to know when you're buying a stock, and we'll give you the true stats on day trading and stock picking. Stay tuned. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. Today, we're talking all about stock picking, day trading, and what you need to know when you buy a stock. First, I want to start off with a question, and I want you guys to rack your brains and think of all the people you know, and I want you to think of how many of them are successful day traders, people that basically have left their jobs, they don't need to work, and all they do all day is day trade and they make money from it. I want us to rack our brains right now. Whoever wants to go first can go first. I'll go first. I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah. So I, only, I know one guy. I know one guy and he's terrible. He's lost many of thousands of dollars on picking random stocks and selling and it doesn't end well. Yeah. So I'm in the financial business. I run across people all day long, get to know their financial backstory. When I say a long-term day trader, I'm thinking like five years. People that have been doing it for five years. I don't know of anyone that's a successful day trader that's made a good amount of money, hasn't had to work for five years. I've been people that are temporary day traders doing it for a short amount of time, but I have not in my life met a successful day trader that meets that criteria. Five years or longer making good money. I'm sure it's out there, but I'll tell you this, people that have diversified portfolios based off academic data that are well diversified, that use science. I know hundreds, hundreds of people. Maybe thousands. I don't, I, mean, I don't even know thousands, but I know a lot of people, thousands of stories that fit that criteria, but I have yet to meet a successful day trader. So going to some of the data that we found when we were looking at, what do the stats tell us? According to stock platform eToro, they found that a whopping 80% of day traders lose their money over a course of a year with a median loss of minus 36.30%. Woo! I mean- Thoughts? It's less than I thought. <laughs> I thought they'd be losing a lot more than 36%, but yeah. But so for one year though, it was one year. So it, probably, it gets worse with time. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, can I ask you though, like given we live in Silicon Valley, right? I beat myself up over this. I mean, if somebody would have just picked Amazon, Google, Tesla, Apple two years ago, like, is that considered stock picking to you? It is, it is. And that's the story that people all chase. So here's the thing, right? We all want to talk about the fairy tale us in our circles, we all want to hear the story about the person at the dinner party that put all their money on Amazon, Apple, Google, and ended up making it. And that's a cool, popular story. But I'm telling you, that story is out there, but I'd say it's a rarity. It exists, but there is, I'd say, 20 more stories for that successful story of the people that got their butts kicked when stock picking. So just be cognizant of that. Society wants to preach that story, but we're giving you guys the stats right now, of like how that strategy plays out. Yes, maybe you were one of the lucky ones. A good example, a recent client that came on board with me, super bright guy, just a brilliant man. He ended up making a lot of money with Tesla. Obviously, you guys have heard Tesla's done phenomenal. But his history with stocks, he was 100,000 plus in the red over 20 years. 
he ended up getting it right. He ended up getting one of the calls right. And then he made the decision that said, hey, I need to change my approach. And this guy is very intelligent. And that story is very rare that someone that actually ends up getting the call, switching their strategy and changes everything. So I want all the listeners to be realistic. When you hear that cool story on YouTube or at the cocktail party, just realize it does exist, but it's very rare. And you have to know your odds. Just because it's possible doesn't mean that it's the reality or it's something you should go for. Following up on the stat from eToro, 75% of day traders ended up quitting in less than two years. That's a powerful stat right there. It just shows that it wasn't working. People jump on it and two years later, they're out of the game. So I think my first tip on this is understand that if you're going to be a day trader or a stock picker, there's a high rate of failure. All right. So tip number two, if you are going to be a stock picker or day trader, I want you to understand this. Passive management beats active management. As we said in the beginning of the show, you know, we can all be day traders. We can pick our stocks, have fun with it. You guys know that I have some of those that are in my portfolio that I like to pick and have fun with, but I understand what it is. And I think we are all on the same page. We know what we're dealing with and we know the risk and it's more of a hobby passion. But understand passive management beats active management. In a study from Dalbar, it showed that over 30 years, ending in 2016, that actively managed funds returned 3.7% on average compared to 10% for passively managed funds. Mm. In society, we're taught that if you're more active about your trading, you're doing the right thing. Day trading... It makes you feel like you're doing something, that you're on top of it, but that strategy doesn't play out. And these stats I'm giving you, think about this, the actively managed funds that are getting 3.7%, these funds are from some of the smartest people on the planet, best people, MIT, Yale, Harvard. These are the people who are not stupid. They're very intelligent. And they're using all this data to try to measure what's going to be the next company they got to buy, which one they got to sell. And that's the sort of results you're getting. Yeah, some could do well, but- that's not the average. 3.7% on average versus the passive that's doing 10. What do you guys think? Yeah, it makes sense. It's just, it's risky. It's gambling. It's a casino. It's like going to the casino and throwing $10 on black, or, you know, roulette or whatever and trying to hit that number. That's kind of how I see it. And it's like being safe though, like, you know, mutual funds, diversification, all that stuff. It's not as fun, right? I it think is a lot not of these fun. people yeah. like the gambling aspect. Like they like the excitement of choosing stocks and, oh, is this going to moon and whatever. Yeah. And that's the same thing why we do it. Like we do it for fun, but I think we all understand the risk involved. And there's a lot of people that have their eyes kind of closed to that. They think like, oh, this is the way I'm going to make money. What do you say to this though? Would you say that a lot of the Robinhood traders, they're probably younger demographics, right? I don't know what the numbers are. Do you guys have any idea? Or no? I have no idea on the age demographic, but you're probably I right. I would assumption. imagine they're like yeah. majority of them are under 30, right? Yes. Yeah. And so would you say that those people in that age group are probably, I mean, somewhat, those are the times that you should be taking more risk than somebody that needs to be a little safer, diversified mutual funds. Would you agree? I guess what I'm asking is, would you agree that from an investment perspective, there's certain points in your life where heavy risk is more favorable as opposed to playing it safe and doing mm -hmm. it the right way. You know what? I would agree with that. I would say that there's certain points in your life where you can take a little bit more risk, but there's a difference between taking educated risk and just being a gambler. I think that there is a right way. And so as we get on this episode, if you're going to buy single stock positions, I will give you the criteria of what you need to do. But I think right now, a lot of people aren't even following the criteria that I'm going to give when it comes to buying a stock. 
I think that they're just they hear rumors, right? They hear rumors, yeah. yeah. They hear like, rumors and they act on it, yeah. Yeah, like Tweets. dude, if you go on YouTube and you hear this kid in his parents' basement say you gotta buy a stock and you listen, you deserve to lose your money. I mean, I'm just straight up. Like, there's so much out I there. I get all my financial advice off Twitter. I mean, that's it seems like a foolproof plan. <laughs> YouTube's so, good too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's out there. Like, that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like, whatever answer you're looking for, though, you can find it. That's the dangerous part is what people don't realize. They look at it. Oh, I found this person. They said this was going to be the greatest thing ever. On the other side, there's another person that's just as qualified saying the opposite thing. That's where people get into this danger zone. It's like they're not following sound financial principles. Going back on to what we're talking about. Number three, ignore stock picking gurus. I feel like every time I go online, there's a new person that's like this stock picking genius. So this quote is from a Nobel Prize winning economist. This guy is not just a somebody. He is a Nobel Prize winning economist called Eugene Fama. And this is his quote. It's the equivalent of thinking you have magic. Saying I pick stocks is saying I have a little bit of magic. That's coming from a Nobel Prize winning economist, a brilliant human being. So just understand, if you think you know something that someone else doesn't, or you know something that the market doesn't, it's probably not true. And there's also a theory called efficient market hypothesis that says that the way the prices are of the market, they're calculated and they're priced accurately. So we as investors also think that we know something that the world doesn't know. And that's just not an accurate thought. Like if you believe in the efficient market hypothesis, which I do, I think maybe if you're an inside trader, you might have somewhat of an advantage and that's also illegal, but we can't trick ourselves into believing that we know more than the market does. We don't. That's what the efficient market hypothesis says. So ignoring these gurus, have you guys heard of Jim Cramer? Yeah, is yeah, he the, he's on TV a bunch, right? Yeah, he's the bald guy on a lot of the financial channels. He's super mad at everything. He's just screaming yeah, all the he's, time. Yes, yeah. exactly. You guys know exactly who he is. He's the guy that's yelling, screaming, bye, 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 so, so, so. He is probably the most well-known stock picking guru. And I will tell you guys, he does people a service and disservice. The service is he gets people involved in investing, trying to make them investors. That's the value that he provides. He is providing value. But his whole philosophy, philosophy of buying and selling and trading, I just don't agree with it. When he talks about his past accomplishments, he says that he was at Goldman Sachs and two years he had the top performing fund, right? That might be true. But that's only a small sample size. He's highlighting his two best years. Anything can happen in a year or two years, right? But it's that long-term history that as a smart investor, you can't go for the short term. You have to be a long-term. That's where you get normalcy by investing in things over the long haul. There was a report that came out that did a 15-year track record of his charitable trust. So that's what he gives all his recommendations. And a lot of the recommendations he put in the charitable trust are obviously recommendations he makes on his show. It showed that he was underperforming the market. And he's done so, I think, even after this study, which ended in 2016. He's continued to underperform the market. So you have this guy that's touting that, oh, look at my amazing track record for two years at Goldman Sachs. But you have 15 years plus, probably, where you've underperformed the market. And you're considered probably one of the world's best stock traders, the world's best day trader. I mean, that to me, guys, is like an eye-opener. I'm just looking at this. I'm like, this guy is very smart. He's very intelligent. He is the best in that field. And he can't even outperform the market. You guys know I believe in diversified funds. My diversified positions are doing better than a so-called genius like Jim Cramer. Yeah, I mean, I will say like, Without giving financial advice, you've helped me understand this. And those diversified ones are always in the green. They might not be skyrocketing to the moon like GME or whatever, but they're just green. And you know they're going to be green. 
That's yeah. what I've seen. I mean, you know, there's some of them that won't, but I think if you have the right investment strategy and you have the right ETF, you're going to have probably pretty decent results moving forward. Nothing is guaranteed, right? But I think that you have to look at the data. You have to look at the science when you make these investment decisions. If there's no science or data really behind a stock pick, anything can happen. When you get multiple positions in a fund, you get normalcy. There's hard data that can back some of these strategies. Um, so I'm going on to tip number four. Tip number four is the taxes. If you are buying and selling these positions, you're going to get unfavorable taxes. You're going to get taxed at ordinary income. It makes a lot of sense to pick a stock and hold it so you can at least drop it into a capital gains sort of tax. While you might feel like you're making some gains here and there, ultimately, at the end of the day, if you believe in paying your taxes, which you should, you're going to get hammered with that sort of strategy. So number four of why I don't like day trading is taxes. And then number five, the obvious is the risk, right? It's just the overall amount of risk that you're taking for those single positions. If you have all your money in Apple, Apple's the world's greatest company with the best stock ever. There's always a chance that even that great company, something happens to it and it doesn't perform as well as it did for the next 10 years. Maybe it goes down. So the biggest thing of day trading is you don't have diversification and you're holding on too much risk. Any questions on those before I go into my rules for buying stocks? Yeah. So Matt mentioned something interesting earlier about the demographics, like age of people getting into investing. Do you think we're seeing though, like a shift, the younger the audience, maybe like this idea of being safe, could it shift the whole market? Could it just change the entire game where people are just treating this like a casino? Yeah, I think that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing almost like a gamification of investing because I think yeah. that's what Robinhood really does on their platform. They make it easy. They make it fun, like flashing lights. And yeah, I think there's a lot of correlation to making it more like casino gambling. Do you think it's a trend or could this last? I think it probably is safe to say that this could be a trend. It's going to evolve. It could, Yeah, it'll evolve. But I mean, we've been talking about Robinhood for a few years now. And it's only getting more popular and there's a lot more of these trading companies popping up. So I think that this is probably a trend that's here to stay. And like I said, it's good and bad. Like it gives people the ability to be investors, which is great, but it also provides circumstances where people can make really bad mistakes. Yeah. Especially when they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it really just lessens the friction point of being able to buy stocks before you had to go through like Meritrade or Fidelity or a broker or whatever, yeah. right? Now you can. And you can buy fractions too. Like I bought a portion of an Apple stock before, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to buy the full stock, which is kind of a cool aspect of it as well. Like I said, it's yeah. good and bad, right? Like I think Sergio, I said on the previous show, it's the equivalent of giving everyone firearms, but with no firearm training. That's kind of what you're looking at. You can go hunt and kill your food, but you could also shoot yourself. So yeah, that was our, <laughs> that was our credit card episode. It's like giving, giving an 18 year old a credit card. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a loaded gun, right? Yeah, and this is the same sort of situation. So let's go into the rules for buying stocks. Rule number one, don't buy it if you don't understand it. I think that you can find anything out there. You can do your own research and make yourself feel like you're an expert, but I think that it's important. And I got this from Warren Buffett. He said, stick to your core competency. Stick to things that you understand. Sergio, you know tech. Maybe you come across a company that you're like, I understand their technology. I understand what they're doing. That makes sense to me. Or Matt, you know, he's our legal wizard. He's out there and he's like, I understand what this company's doing in the legal arena. It's huge. I understand that completely. But if both of you two are going to say like, all right, I'm going to go into aerospace because that company like sounds cool. You don't understand it. You might get lucky, but I think that from what I've seen, and going back to that one example of the engineer, I know that's very brilliant and has done well with his Tesla stock. He understood the technology, 
behind Tesla's batteries. He knew it to a science. So yeah, it wasn't just luck. Like he knew that was in his ballpark. A lot of the companies I think that he had invested in before were companies that were like biotech outside of his core competency. So I would say, make sure you understand that space. And we'll go on to tip number two. And this is like a personal opinion that I feel really makes a lot of sense. Don't have more than 10% of your overall assets in a single stock position. I'll say it again. Make sure you don't have more than 10% of your overall assets in a stock position. I got to check how much my AMC is worth right now. How much <laughs> I have in my accounts. Yeah. Uh, a disclaimer, we do, we do not condone the investing habits. <laughs> I've got some good ones. I got Airbnb oh, talking about God. tech. Um, oh, God. I got to throw on. my Airbnb, disclaimer. I'm bullish on them. Oh, God. I'm going to blow it. All right. Disclaimer, ladies and gentlemen, we do not condone the investment strategies of Sergio Patterson. I've got Tesla. And Matt. None of these are investment too. recommendations. <laughs> so let's go back to what we talked about, our tip on number two for buying stocks. Don't put 10% of your assets in there. Why? Think about it like this. Say you're getting towards your retirement and you got a million dollars in there. Say that one position goes to zero. Now, if you have all your eggs in that stock, it's going to be a pretty rough retirement for you. You're going to be starting with nothing. If you lose 10%, it sucks, but you can also rebound. That's my reasoning behind it. Think about it is if you did a 5% distribution on that million dollar portfolio, you need $50,000 to live. You lose that one position, it goes down to $45,000. It's going to be tighter, but it's not the end of the world. So try to keep it that 10% level. If you are going to be someone that decides to put your money in the single stocks. Tip number three, and I think this one is extremely important for everyone. Imagine yourself working at and being at the company. Yeah, I like that tip because it's like you got to pick companies that you like and believe in. And so That's taking that kind of perspective is huge, I think. Yeah, so we look at that like a GameStop. Can you see yourself working at GameStop, even in a corporate role, and thinking that's going to be a good decision? I think for most of us, we'd be like, nah, unless you're like a massive gamer and that's your reasoning. But, yeah. you know, you're looking at it financially, I think you'd be like, well, I don't even know if they're going to be around. Or I don't know if I would want to own that company because it would be tough to turn a profit. So I think that's really important is like when you think about making the investment, imagine yourself there. You're the owner. You're the owner of that company, right? And literally when you're buying a stock, you are kind of the owner. But you have to imagine yourself working at that company. That's a really good one. And a tip I never take into account when I'm picking stocks. <laughs> we can all see Sergio now <laughs> at the AMC booth <laughs> pouring our popcorn, putting butter all over the popcorn. I can see it. I can see it right now. It's a good tip, man. <laughs> tip number four, understand what the company is worth. There's all these, all these companies out there that we could buy, but understand what they're worth on paper you have to really understand what their balance sheet looks like. So look at their burn rate. How fast are they going through cash? Look at the balance sheet. Look at the cash flow. How do you figure out all that information? Like, where do you go to get that? Like, if you want to find out those numbers, where could you look? You can go to the SEC's website and all these public companies, they have to put this information out there. What irks me about these people that are day trading and stock picking, I'm telling you 90% of them never look at these balance sheets. They're never looking at the cash. They're just all on the hype train. Because I look at these videos on YouTube of these people, none of them bring out a balance sheet. No one, no one goes over a cash flow statement, but those are the things you need to look at. Matt, when you were considering buying that company, you were looking at the financials. You wanted to know what the profits were, right? And it's not any different when you're buying a stock. Going back to number three, you got to make yourself an owner. Think that you're going to be the owner. You're going to be working there. You want to know that information. Also, part of this one is look at innovation. I think 
There's been a couple times where I've picked good stocks and I considered all these, but I also looked at innovation. I think innovation is huge. As you guys know, I was lucky enough to invest in Apple a long time ago. And that was a lot of luck involved with that. But also I looked at the innovation. I looked at the fact that they were putting a device together that was a music player, a phone, and a computer all in one thing. And I was like, man, that's going to change the way everything is run in our world. That's the feeling I got. I was like, man, this is innovation. So when you're looking for a company, make sure it has that feeling of innovation. Also with Tesla. Tesla, Sergio Patterson is a big fan of Tesla. He drives his car up and down the streets all day long in his nice Tesla car. But you could make an argument, you saw that what they were doing was more innovative than all the other car companies that came before them. Yeah, 100%. I've been on them for a while. I just wish I would have put more money into it. But I love that though. I think understanding the tech and understanding the innovation piece is so important. Yeah. And years back when I was really strongly considering putting my money in Tesla, I saw the innovation. I was like, I'm going to do it. But then there was things with Elon Musk that he was doing in his personal life that scared me. And I thought, can Wall Street get behind a guy that's doing these things in the open, smoking weed or, I mean, I didn't have any personal issues with it, but I looked at Wall Street and I said, how are they going to look at that guy? And for me, that was the deal breaker of why I never bought any Tesla stock, but that made me like him more. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did, Matt. Of course it did. That made him a winner in my eyes right there. <laughs> He's like a freaking unicorn now. He tweets something out and a stock jumps. Yeah. And then number five, understand it's a gamble. Anytime you're picking a stock, it's a lot like gambling. As you guys know, I'm not a big fan of them as a successful strategy. I enjoy it as a hobby, but understand it is a gamble. All the data that's out there, if we look at financial science, like we said, we're not trying to bring opinions on this show. We're trying to cut through the BS. And that means looking at the facts. The facts tell us that people are better served by a strategy that's backed by diversification, modern portfolio theory, low cost ETFs. Those things are backed by data. So understand that if you buy a single stock, no matter what your conviction is, it is a gamble. Lastly, you have to be emotionally ready. You have to be financially ready to buy that stock. You can't be buying a stock if you don't have an ample emergency fund, ample money in the bank, because if you lose that money, you're going to be in a hard place. So understand that when you're buying these stocks, you're going to go through ups and downs, massive fluctuations and if you want to be successful in a single stock position, you're more than likely going to have to hold that for a long period of time, five plus years, probably. Yes, there's situations where it could be better than that, but really strategies that really work on the single stock side, the ones that I have seen pay off for people, they held it for a long time. They didn't just buy it. And then six months later, they're rich. They held the positions for years. So I'm saying those are not the rules. Those are just what I've seen. So to end I'm going to give you guys things that I think you should really consider when it comes to making money with your investing. As we hammered home, diversification is huge. Sure, if you want single stock positions, keep it to that 10%. I think that's a good rule of thumb, but really believe in the power of diversification. Your savings rate, that's going to be a bigger factor in your success. How much money you can tuck away. So we always talk about that 50-30-20 rule. Can you tuck away 20% into savings and then eventually put it into investing, that's going to lead to your success. Not picking the magic stock necessarily. I think savings rate is going to help you more. Invest consistently. Another big tip, don't stop at one single point in time because what you see all too common is we're in a hype right now. People are high on the market, high on investing. It's going to go the other way. The wind is going to be taken out of the sales. And at that time, 90% of folks are going to be like, I'm going to stop investing. 
And that's the opposite. You need to be investing every single month. You need to be consistent. And that's where people really do well. They don't get on the top of this massive wave and think it's going to keep going up because it's going to come crashing down. And you have to understand that don't just invest during the good times. You have to invest at all times. Keep that long-term time horizon with your investing. And then lastly, when you're investing, design it to your goals. Be intentional with how you use your money. Think about what's important to you and your family. Think about what you want to achieve, the retirement you want, the lifestyle you want, and make sure your investments and your strategy mirrors that. Any question, guys? No, it's, that's really no, I good. That I think timing is perfect because there's a ton of people right now with Nokia and BlackBerry and Best Buy and GameStop <sighs> in their portfolio, you know? So, yes, um, yes, I know. And guys, if you guys know these people, timing. stop them. Stop them from shooting themselves in the foot. When you invest, believe in what you're investing in. Don't try to game the system. That's not going to end well. You're starting to see that a lot of people are going to be hurt at the end of this. I believe in the movie theater. I miss going. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to us today. Remember, none of this is investment advice. None of this is a recommendation. If you have questions, though, send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. Love to see how we can help you guys. But remember, in this world, there's a lot of BS out there. Everyone's got opinions. Look at the research. That's what I'll end with today is make sure you look at the research. Look at what works. Look at science. Believe in science. You need to believe in science more. That's a thing that uh, I think we've gotten away from in the last couple of years is believing in science. All right. Thank you for listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc., The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.